It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> okay, uh, welcome in. It's great to have you with us. We are at the uh, Working Man's Beach, Surf City. Uh, we will be here for the uh, duration of the uh, week. Great to have you with us uh, here as we are... Uh, here on a Monday, and what a uh, Monday it is, because what a weekend it has uh, been. So, uh, Patrick Johnson, with you here, Clark Willis uh, producing in the studio. We've got uh, my main man, Fitzpatrick J, somewhere around here. My main man, uh, Smithwick J, my little buddy, somewhere around here. So, those two are uh, are serving as uh, on-site producers during the uh, the stay here in uh, in uh, Surf City. All right, uh, we've got our huge announcement coming up and an interview from that, in case you missed it uh, this morning or have not seen any of these social media posts. Steve Logan returning to radio in late August here on 94.3 The Game, as well as 103.7 WTIB and the new Talk 96.3, as it will be the Logan Zone every Friday from uh, 5 until 6. But don't fret. Oh, no, do not. I will still be here. Doing the show at 5 o'clock Monday through Thursday here on 94.3 The Game. And we will uh, replicate our uh, very popular Facebook Live broadcasts in the mornings on Friday around 10 o'clock uh, each and every Friday during the football season. And then we will replay uh, starting in late August, I believe the 25th, which is the opening of the high school football season. We will start with uh, a 6 p.m. Patrick Johnson show on those days leading into Rose football. Rose, by the way, picks second. In the uh, Big Carolina Conference standings today behind Havelock, Conley was in a tie for, uh, I believe, sixth place, and South Central was picked at the bottom of the standings in the preseason. So uh, they had their event today at Parker's Barbecue in Greenville. It's always a great time there. And uh, we, of course, uh, will uh, get some of that up on social media for you if we don't have it there already. Also coming up uh, today... Uh, we'll hear from Steve Logan, but we'll also talk with Brett McMurphy. What a weekend it has been. Uh, it all started Thursday night with Arizona and their Board of Regents deciding that uh, they're going to go to the Big 12, Arizona State and Utah to follow, and then the Titanic news on Friday uh, that was developing as we were on the air with you on our live Facebook feed. Uh, by the time the radio show aired at 5 o'clock Friday, uh, it was uh, news that uh, had broken in that uh, a couple from the uh, big uh, Pac-12 make that. Uh, They were uh, Oregon and Washington have departed for the uh, Big Ten. So where does that leave uh, Oregon State and Washington State? Who knows? Uh, There's a report this afternoon uh, by ESPN that the ACC is apparently in talks with Stanford and Cal. So that would give the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, that would challenge the name because you would then have the Pacific uh, Coast involved uh, in there. I theorized over the weekend the Americans should make a play for Stanford and Cal, and there are certain schools from the uh, Mountain West they should get. I think it was Lewis Kinlaw, who's kind of a uh, a pirate fanatic, but a real details guy, who talked about in uh, the Facebook uh, feed uh, about, well, you know, the Pac-12 or the uh, Mountain West has uh, its contracts through a certain point with these teams, but if you go ahead and have these teams commit, 
uh, they could do what uh, these teams out of the Pac-12 have done at the end of the uh, television deal, get out and uh, move on. But uh, that would give the American 16 teams uh, if that were to be the case. But it looks like the ACC uh, right now is making the play. We'll see. I think the Mountain West is still going to factor into this one way or the other, and the Mountain West is going to factor into this uh, perhaps with the American at uh, some point. We'll see. We'll be talking to the uh, principals about all of this. Of course, uh, the Pitt County softball team, they played on Sunday night, uh, lost to the defending champs out of Hewitt, Texas, 6-1. to Watched about half of the game before I had to turn in uh, for morning radio today, and uh, it looked to me like the uh, base runner that was uh, called out at home for uh, Pitt County was actually safe. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't challenge that. Uh, would have tied the game up, and it may have been a much different game. may not have changed the outcome of the game, but at that time, if you're tied in those middle innings at 1-1, maybe it's a much different deal uh, than it uh, would have been otherwise. All right, uh, unless we forget the Pirate Report, and uh, unless we forget uh, the first week of ECU football in the books for 2023, first practice season in the books. Uh, by the way, congrats to Jim Zoki. He was named the interim uh, radio voice for Pirate Football this season. Uh, he will work uh, the games, and uh, we'll have Zoke on tomorrow to talk Panthers and also uh, about his new responsibilities and uh, duties. No, he's still uh, meeting and hatching out a lot of that. Right now, a uh, intro to our Pirate Report as we uh, hear from Coach Houston. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, Coach Houston talking about uh, Mon- uh, Saturday, how the heat got turned up at practice. Cut one. Heat got turned up a little bit today, and not, not the temperature, although it was finally a touch warmer. Um, you know, the big thing is just, uh, you know, a lot more competition. You know, we're, we're finally in shells, and... Uh, you know, it's the, it's the fine line early in shells where, you know, they're, they're chomping to go. And, you know, you got to teach the young ones how to thud tackle, okay, and teach them, teach them what physical contact looks like, you know, without going to the ground. And then the old ones, you got to kind of hold them back a little bit. But uh, the competition in the practice is really, really good today. Pleased with that. Um, we've made improvement. Uh, I think it's been a solid start to camp. Uh, now, their bodies probably need tomorrow. You know, we got all the typical, you know, growings, hamstrings, you know, the, all the all the stuff from all the running and change of direction that, uh, you know, you can condition all you want to in the summer, but it's different than a college football practice. So, uh, but I think a positive start to camp. Uh, be good to get the film this afternoon, get a day off to take care of their bodies tomorrow, and then next week's a big week for us. Yeah, and all that started today, of course, these were comments made Saturday by Coach Houston, uh, who said he wanted his team to be more physical. Well, no, I mean, I want them. I want them physical. In fact, I want them more physical than they are. I mean, uh, it's just, you know, we you got to be able to fed ball carriers, and I don't want them on the ground, you know. And so that's, you know, they're, you know, and, I, and I'm on their butt about, uh, you know, thudding the kids up. And so uh, it's just getting kind of back into the groove of things. But, you know, you definitely want them on the, on the, on the other side of being, you know, the, uh, a very physical uh, competitor. And that's, you know, we've got a lot of guys who've been in the program for a couple of years, and that's, that's kind of what we hang our hat on. So that's why, you know, today we got in that competition. We had a third down competition today, uh, and, I mean, they, they went at each other, and it was good. Coach Houston uh, says uh, Rajay Harris is doing uh, fine as he comes back from that uh, ACL tear. Rajay Harris is just fine. That's the biggest thing. Um, he, I don't you can't even tell he ever had an injury. I mean, he's very confident. He's running decisively. 
He's he's looked really really good. More from uh, Coach Houston on uh, what has pleased him through week one of the practice slate in the preseason. I think our offensive line, I've been pleased with the progress we're making right there. We've still got to figure out, you know, who goes where exactly, but we're making making strides there. Um, we are long and can run at the second and third level on defense. You know, we've got to get everybody playing together. You know, got some new guys out there, but we've, we've got a lot of competition. Um, I think our kickers have been very, very good. I mean, we've got multiple guys competing right now, and the reason there's multiple guys is because all of them are, are doing a good job. Uh, Coach was asked about the chemistry between the wide receivers and the quarterbacks. Well, I think we're getting there. Um, I think, you know, you look at the guys that have been together for a while, obviously they have better chemistry. You know, Kerry, Josai, Jalen, Shane, and the quarterbacks, you know, they have good chemistry. You know, the thing is, is who are the next guys? You know, I think Brock and Jari have both had really solid starts to camp. But now, as, as the heat gets turned up, and I mean, by next Tuesday, it'll be turned all the way up, you know, then it gets closer to what a game's going to be like, and, you know, the chemistry then is what's important. So, still, you know, got to get the new guys, you know, get the new guys kind of on the same page. But, uh, you know, I think the chemistry from the returning guys is uh, pretty good right now. And uh, a couple more things uh, with uh, Coach Houston here. We're going to grab a break in a bit uh, to get Brett McMurphy on. Uh, but uh, we'll try to get in as much as we can here. Uh, he talked about the quarterback competition, did Coach Houston. I think both of them have done a lot of positive things. I think uh, Mason has been very, very good the last two days. Uh, really pleased with, you know, he's all of a sudden he's making checks pre-snap. He's seeing things. I think the game has slowed down for him. Um, made a couple of really nice plays today. You know, Alex has such good touch on the ball. You know, he, he's made some really nice throws. So I think they're both uh, having a strong start. Coach Houston uh, is pleased with the competition between the offense and the defense so far. It's a good competition. You know, the, the third down competition was three to two. You know, we take, you know, we had three, we had five third down situations, and they get one shot at each of them. Uh, so the offense won today three to two, but it was highly competitive. And you know, it's we're still that we're not tackling to the ground, so you know, there's still a little bit of gray on some of it. But uh, it was it was pretty close. I mean, it, it's uh, the competition is really good, which is what we need. I think we'll have a chance to get a couple more in here, um, Coach Houston, on the way that the new guys have started camp so far. I think the ones that were here in the spring, uh, I see more. You know, they're they're ready to play with us. You know, I think some of the new ones coming in, they're, they're still adjusting some, to some stuff. And, you know, I don't know how things are done, where they're from or whatever. Um, but, you know, you better be ready to compete when you step on the field between those lines with our kids because, you know, they're going to go at it. And uh, you can't be meek and you, and you can't be timid. I mean, if you are, you get eat alive out there. So, uh, but I think the kids who were with us in the spring have been very, very pleased with, you know, the, 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 the way they have started fall camp. All right, and uh, this was his answer to the question specifically about freshman running back Javius Bond. He looks like he belongs out there. I know he's he's still a freshman. He's never played a college snap, but uh, he looks like he belongs. And I think Gerald Green looks like the experienced back he is. I mean, that room I feel very, very good about. Well, uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, mention here before we go to break is we don't have any more time to get any cuts in. We'll maybe visit some a little later in the hour if time allows. But uh, on three sports reporting now this afternoon that the American is, inter is interested in adding the remaining Pac-12 schools 
so we will see if that's the case. That would be Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and uh, Oregon State. So right now those are teams that are kind of out in the wilderness as it stands right now. A timeout. When we come back, we'll talk all about this conference realignment madness and uh, what it all could mean when we uh, join are joined, I should say, by Brett McMurphy with the Action Network uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. We're spending the week, uh, the remainder of it, at the Working Man's Beach. Got here this afternoon, and uh, we will be here for the uh, duration of the week, including uh, Talk of the Town in the uh, mornings and here on the Patrick Johnson Show. You can see all the activity. It's a bevy of activity behind us, uh, by the way, uh, going on there. Hello, Coach. How are you? Uh, from uh, hot and breezy Surf City, actually windy Surf City, it's great to have you along here today. Let's go to the uh, phone lines now where a uh, gentleman who's been uh, good enough to join us many times over the years, uh, one of the best, America's college football insider, with uh, the Action Network now, it's Brett McMurphy uh, with this. Brett, your head's got to be spinning with all of what's going on with this conference realignment. Yeah, I kind of feel, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise, but I feel like one of those yeah. precog where I keep spitting out realignment news and I'm just shaking in that uh, saline pool. And I just want to get to the end of the movie where I'm, you know, out in the countryside with no phone, no electricity, <laughs> just reading a book, chilling out. Yeah, I think we that all will not be like, any time uh, soon. That will not be. No, any time it won't soon. be. I, I, I would, I would uh, really like a, uh, you know, just a couple of days down here on the beach, uh, with uh, no phone and uh, electricity. No, because it's very hot here. But uh, at least no phone or computer for a couple of days would be nice. But it is that time of the year where we uh, must press forward. Uh, for those that maybe don't know why all this is all of a sudden happening with the Pac-12. Uh, and why maybe it didn't happen a year ago or two years ago. Uh, it's because of their television deal. It's non-existent after this year uh, right now. So there's no grant of rights. There's really nothing holding this group together beyond this season. Yeah, that's it. I mean, basically, the uh, you know, USC, UCLA, all the schools that have gone to the Big 12 and the Big 10, they can leave um, without paying an exit fee. Their TV deal expires after this season. And so that's why it was critical for the Pac-12 to sign a new TV deal in the past 13 months. And that's why this is blown up in their face, because they never signed one. And now everybody's everybody's leaving without paying an exit fee. So when you got, you know, a group of five conferences like the, the American, where there's a 10 or $20 million exit fee, or the, even the Mountain West, 17 or $34 million to exit, uh, you can skate free out of what I guess it's now the Pac-4, um, and now they're basically on the brink of extinction. Brett McMurphy, uh, Action Network, and uh, he's America's college football insider. He's been uh, with ESPN in the past, other outlets as well, Stadium, but uh, now with Action Network. Brett, when I mean, what happens to these four? There's the ESPN report. There was a report from On3 that uh, maybe the American is trying to, to sway these three to join them. Uh, this obviously creates uh, noon to midnight TV windows for wherever they wind up, uh, likely with an East Coast conference in some way, shape, or form. So uh, what do those four, what is the most likely path for those four? Do they stay together? Do they do they all go their, their separate ways? I think the least likely thing is they all stay together, um, and that's for a couple reasons, uh, mainly Stanford. Um, you know, Stanford – 
you know, one possibility is merging with the Mountain West um, in some shape or fact, some shape or form. There is absolutely no way that Stanford is going to be in the same conference with San Jose State and Utah State. No offense to those guys. Right. Um, you've got possibility that, you know, maybe the ACC could throw a lifeline to Stanford and Cal. That's a possibility. It's, I don't know why they didn't think of doing that earlier when they could have had five or six teams. But desperate times call for desperate measures. But if that happens, Oregon State and Washington State are left behind. Um, I don't think they can bring any schools to join those four because of the exit fees I talked about. You know, any Mountain West teams, which would be the most likely candidates, would have to pay $34 million. Teams to get out of the American would have to pay $20 million. And now you're going to a league that's Power 5 in name only. And believe me, once all the changes happen after this season, the commissioners will have a nice little meeting and say, oh, you know what, guys, you're not, a, you're not an Autonomy 5 conference anymore. Now there's only four autonomy conferences or power conferences, and so that would cut down on their slice of the college football playoff revenue and everything that goes with that. So, you know, I, it's, it's a great question. It's what everybody wants to know. But right now, I, I, you know, there's so many different options. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think one thing that will not happen is um, I don't think they'll all stay together. I mean, I could even see Stanford going independent. I mean, they have one of the – not one of – they have the best all-around athletic department in the country. They have finished first place in the all-sport standings for either 24 or 25 of the last 26 years. So their Olympic sports are incredible. Unfortunately, they're not a big TV draw, and this is what's driving – all the realignment is TV, TV numbers and potential eyeballs. And so that's what hurts Stanford and Cal. And certainly that's what really impacts Oregon State and Washington State on top of being, you know, up in the northwestern corner of the United States. Yeah, I would think of the four, Stanford and Cal perhaps together are the, are the more uh, appealing draw potentially than, than the other two. I guess it's I, – I, I can't. At this point, it's Katie bar the door. I mean, you, maybe outside of Stanford and Cal trying to ensure that they are in the same league, I, I can't imagine that there's any benefit uh, for those two to bring uh, Washington State or Oregon State along with them in any way, unless there's something going on we don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any scenario where that would happen because we're again. Um, I just reported, you know, it's just kind of obvious, but anyway, that the Big 12's done. They're not looking at any of the the Pac-4 schools are not looking at San Diego State. And so the ACC is their only other option. The Americans saying that they would, that they're talking with those schools, that's that's basically a PR ploy by the American to say, hey, look, they're looking at us. They're they're not going to the American, you know. So, um, you know, Cal's in a real predicament, too. They've called a Board of Regents meeting for tomorrow morning to talk specifically about conference membership. They have more debt than any other athletic department in the country. And yeah. now you go from you had a media rights deal where you thought you were going to get, you know, X amount of money. And now that that number is now slashed. And so it's kind of like I buy a house and think, okay, I can pay it off because I've got this annual income. And then two days later, my boss calls me and says, oh, by the way, uh, we're cutting your salary in half. And then I think, well, it's time for me to find a new house. So. Um, there's just so many different, you know, factions in this whole thing 
you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And if you're the Mountain West, you don't just say, well, you know what, we'll dissolve our conference and then we'll just let you take our members and, you know, because they want their exit fees. And and then if the Pac-12 goes to join the Mountain West, well, then they lose, then they officially lose their, then they have no shot to keep the Power Five if they're part of the Mountain West. So, yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of options going around right now and most of them to be honest um unfortunately all kind of smell like bad fish uh, at the description there college football uh insider action network.com the great brett mcmurphy with us uh here on the patrick johnson show uh is there any i i guess i should have asked you that uh, as well and should ask you that is there any chance at all that uh the pac-12 can salvage this and and stay together or just the exit fees too great uh, and, uh, and anyone that would be brought in at this point maybe is not as appealing. It would really take a lot of maneuvering to bring in the most appealing of the autonomy or of the uh, group of five. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, you've got to let, – let's say you could bring in some schools. So how, how many would you bring in? Minimum, probably, you'd probably want four. I mean, at minimum, you want an 18-conference. Um, right. So let's say that you can somehow figure out a way to pay $34 million for four teams to bring them in. So what are you going to do in 2024 for scheduling? You, you only have seven conference games. You have eight members. Yeah. Now you got to find, right. you know, everybody has to find minimum of two games, maybe three, um, in, to be played in with less than 12 months. And, you know, all these schedules are done literally centuries ahead of time. I'm not joking either. So you can't, there's no availability to, to add anybody. So then, well, we've got to build our membership up to 10 or whatever. It's like, where, where are you going to get the bodies from? I, I don't know that answer. And because it's such, you know, they're so late in the game in all these uh, exit fees. And, you know, more details are coming out about the Apple um, pitch to the, to the, um, to the Pac-12 and Arizona president Bobby Robbins said, you know, when, when we saw it and it had all these, subscription models um, and that we knew we were not going to be on linear TV and they're saying, well, you know, the more subscriptions you sell, the more money you make. He compared it to, he felt like he was in Little League having to sell candy bars or he was selling Girl Scouts <laughs> you know, to raise right. money so that each school can make more money. So that is not going to change. I mean, if Apple's going to do anything, it's going to be the same thing. Um, they have no offer from ESPN or Fox and so your subscription-based model, so all the things that that really hurt them when they had Oregon, Washington, Utah, Arizona State, et cetera, you know, is not going to get better um, if you bring in the likes right. of San Diego State, UNLV, Boise, uh, SMU, Tulane, et cetera. They're just – the value is going to be even lower. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, look, I hate it. I report about it a lot, as you mentioned. But right. I don't like it. I think it it's going to destroy – you know, college athletics, it's our, we're already, you know, the, the tubes, the pace is already out of the tube. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what these guys can do. And the, the biggest challenge is you've got four schools, two, two of them are similar, Oregon State and Washington State, and two of them are completely yeah. different, and that's Stanford Cal. Was there just no willingness from ESPN or Fox or CW or anybody to to uh, pay the money because I mean it's it, it, you know I know it's the West Coast window and maybe it's not as well watched but 
it's still college football. It's still the most second most popular sport in America, and there's still decent number. I mean, more people would watch a Pac-12 after dark game than they would watch, you know, a lot of other sports. So was this just the powers that be thought they needed to get more out of the deal, or, or was there really no no market uh, for that league, and, and did the start times have anything to do with it? No, I mean, there, there was a market, but there was a small market, because keep in mind, the Big 12 went early, they got their deal, um, so they've taken up a lot of that inventory with ESPN and Fox. Obviously, the Big Ten's new deal from last year, they've taken up a huge chunk of inventory. Um, you know, an ESPN could use some 1030 windows, but they, they don't need an, an elaborate package, and that's what the Pac-12 needed money-wise. And ESPN simply wasn't offering that. Yeah, ESPN would have taken maybe one or two games a week, but that's not that's not going to de- deliver the money that um, the Pac-12 wants. And also, if ESPN wanted to be a part of it, they'd say, okay, we'll do it, but we want first pick. Well, you think Apple's going to throw $20 million at the Pac-12 and say, okay, we'll let ESPN get the first pick and we'll take, you know, what's left. So then they're not going to do that. So um, it's just, you know, it was, it was a bad situation. The Pac-12 gambled by waiting. The Big 12 gambled by going early. And now we look at the different uh, strengths of each conference. With the, Pac- the Big 12's, you know, stable. And also in a big part because the Big Ten and, and, and the Big Ten and SEC don't want any current Big 12 schools. They got OU in Texas. Right. That's all they want. So they're, they're fine. It's kind of the, and look, I'm an Oklahoma State guy, so I can rip them. It, it's the land of misfit toys. <laughs> Nobody wants them, but because of that, they're going to survive. Why didn't the Pac-12 survive? Right. Because USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. Why is the ACC possibly going to go through this same thing the Pac-12 did? Because the Big Ten and SEC covet Florida State, Clemson, Miami, uh, North Carolina, and also Notre Dame, which is a you know plays an ACC schedule. So you know, kind of by default, that's somebody's Big white whale, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Brett McMurphy with his Action Network College Football Insider. The you mentioned the ACC. Right now, that grant of rights is the only thing holding this league together. It, w- it would appear. Uh, and it is a gargantuan amount of money. That exit fee is $120 million. And all the money that you would uh, make potentially uh, going to a new league would go back to the ACC. So uh, is there any – Florida State's got to know this, yet they were very, uh, very uh, definite in their wording, their their university leadership, not the athletic leadership, but the university leadership last week, that we're on the way out. We are uh, in the in the process of putting this plan in motion over the next year. Yeah, I mean they were they were very upfront. I mean their president he didn't say basically you know we may leave. He said we are we are going to leave in the next twelve months and we're going to have to come up with an exit strategy. And you know you, you hit on it. It's a hundred twenty million dollar exit fee but then you know you have the 12 or 13 years of the tv rights right and that's it's a billion dollars to, to get out of there that could be up to 500 million total um and also you have to wonder you know and every time you know we've had 12 schools before this the you know the latest rush on friday but we've had 12 schools in the last dozen years that have left power five leagues or jumped up to a Power 5 league. Well, all of those schools either had one or two years left on their TV deals. So they were able to negotiate a deal, a settlement. 
so they could pay the conference and get out and everybody's whole and you move on. OU in Texas, obviously the last one. Well, now you've got 12 years. So does the ACC really want to let Florida State sign a check? Because they know that means that Clemson's going to be following them over the wall and Miami and North Carolina and, you know, potentially Notre Dame could want to get out or NC State, Virginia Tech, um, you know, and then what's your conference left? You're the, you're like the Pac-12 without, you know, SC, UCLA, Oregon, or Washington. Right. Now you're going to have – you're left with Boston College, Wake Forest. I mean, no offense against these guys. Syracuse. And then you're going to have to – you know, you're going to add schools like, I don't know, USF, Florida Atlantic, East Carolina, you know, choose your favorite group five school. That's not a power league, you know, and – you're right. The, the 12 years, and it's funny. I, I, um, I've referenced this before, but to sum up the or characterize the the uh, ACC's grant of rights, uh, I always um, go to the late great philosopher Meatloaf, who in his song "Paradise by the Dashboard <laughs> Light" says, "I swear I'll love you till the end of time." And now I'm praying for the end of time. They are praying for the end of the grant of rights, but I don't even think they're going to wait. They're going to jump early. Right. I just, there's, you know, the lawyers are probably working overtime and rereading it and rereading it, but it's a lot of money that would have to go. To me, the exit fee is the non-negotiable. Well, I don't think any of it's negotiable, but they're trying to figure out something. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, can something come up to pay uh, all of that money you'd make potentially? I mean, you just can't miss out on that for more than a decade. Uh, so something has to be kind of put together on that. Hey, Brett, always good to talk to you. I uh, wish we could talk a little more about on-the-field stuff, but uh, this is the thing kind of driving the bus right now. But I uh, hope we can catch up with you at some point uh, from down there in Florida in the uh, in the coming uh, weeks. Hey, you got it. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Brett. There he goes, Brett McMurphy, one of the best, the best, actually, uh, with Action Network. Now, we're going to take a break. We had our big announcement uh, earlier today, Steve Logan returning to radio, and uh, he'll be here on 94.3 The Game. We'll give you those details, plus uh, an encore presentation of our interview with uh, Coach Logan earlier today after these words. All things ECU at 943thegame.com. Thank you, sir. May I have another? More of the P-Man coming up in minutes. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 943 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. All right. Earlier today, it was announced Steve Logan returns to radio. It'll be the Logan Zone. It'll be coming your way. Uh, the uh, final Friday of the month of August, it'll air every Friday during the football season on a, a network of IBX, stadi- uh, IBX media radio stations, including this one here. Uh, also, 96.3 and 103.7, 5 o'clock, uh, Coach Logan will be back on the radio. Earlier today, he spoke with us on Talk of the Town with Henry Hinton. Uh, it is almost football time. The Pirates are back on the field getting ready for the season. The dog days of summer. And um, we will have lots of coverage for you of ECU on the flagship uh, of the Pirates this uh, year on 1079, uh, 94.3, and on 103.7 and 96.3. We're bringing Steve Logan back. Coach Logan, of course, had a very popular radio show for many years. He's been away from radio for the last couple of years, but we're bringing him back this year. He's tired of sitting on the beach. He's tired of catching all those fish and uh, drinking all that wine, and so he's coming back to radio. We're excited about it, 
Good morning, Coach Logan. How are you? I'm not tired of doing any of those things. I'm just adding a little radio. <laughs> well, uh, Hank was insistent that this be on the flamethrower, so we're putting you on 103.7 and 96.3 on Friday afternoons at 5 to get everybody ready for the football weekend. I just learned that your first show will be on August 25th. So the Logan Show, the, the Logan Zone returns to radio. Are you excited about doing radio again? Yeah, I, you know, the radio thing has been just straight fun, just fun. That's all it ever was, and uh, I had a lot of great interactions with people. Uh, you know, I kept, uh, when I was doing the WRAL thing in Raleigh, I kept it a call-in show, and a lot of people said, you know, that you can't do that, and it might not work, and blah, blah, blah. But I had so many fun, really fun and smart interactions with uh you know, all the Triangle fans, uh, you know, and we were covering East Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke, Wake, you know, the typical, you know, the usual suspects, as they say. But uh, it was all positive. It was uh, fun. It was it was educational, really, in a way, for me, because people would call in with these questions. You know, it's kind of like sometimes they would – I would watch all the games so I could be – you know, somewhat knowledgeable about what was going on, and then these people would call in with these questions, and I wonder sometimes if they watch the same game I watched. And so we would, you know, peel the onion back, so to speak, and a lot of times I could explain why something happened that happened that, uh, you know, drives a lot of fans crazy. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed that part of it because, you know, from 45 years or too many years of coaching you know every third down and six becomes very predictable in a coach's mind on the success or failure of what what takes place and uh you know for people that haven't coached uh it just it just drives them crazy about why a play doesn't or does work but it's fun to like i say peel the onion back and explain a coverage that might have been presented that was a confusing, you know, event for the quarterback or vice versa. Sometimes an offense will put something out there that defensive wasn't expecting, and that's why some of those things happen. But anyway, that's what the show is going to be about. A lot of interaction with uh, people calling in, and uh, and your son Hank, of course, he put me on Twitter way back in the day, <laughs> and we use, we use Twitter – uh, you know, people can, you know, tweet a question in and, and, uh, we can, you know, be active with that on the show as well. But it, it's a lot of fun and it's upbeat. And, uh, as I explained when I went to work in Raleigh, I, I educated the fans. I said, this is not going to be roadkill radio. You're not allowed to call in and tell me that the coach is an idiot or the player needs to be fired or, you know, we, there's other shows you can go do that on. But we're not doing that. We're yeah. going to have fun yeah. and uh, be, you know, uplifting. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, it's all your your insight on uh, on things is always so much fun to listen to. I, you know, I've learned a lot listening to you over the years, and I, you know, I would, I, I probably am a little more knowledgeable about football than the average fan, which means I've got, you know, just that much more knowledge. But, you know, sitting in the stands and listening to uneducated fans about what's going on in the field, 
can drive you crazy. But you know, everybody pays their money, and they—that's part of the—that's part of it. Also, I mean, there's a lot of criticism out there, but uh, that's what I always loved about your show is that I know that I remember you, you telling me that uh, the, the coaches in the triangle would actually call you and thank you for defending them when coach when fans would call in angry about them. That happened three or four times with uh, just about every coach in the triangle, Wake Forest. And, you know, uh, I remember, in fact, I remember the night uh, there was a tragic loss there in Greenville. And I believe it was against, I know it was the head coach was George O'Leary. And it may, I oh, guess, yeah. was he coaching his That was the UCF Hail, the Hail Mary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a clock management issue. Yeah. And, of course, you know, nobody... <laughs> Nobody could digest that. And, by, uh, by the way, the know, guy was, managing the clock is now making ten million a year at Southern Cal. Exactly, <laughs> and you know, if, if you stay, if you're if you're crazy enough to stay in the profession, which I was, and a lot of men are, uh, it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Both ways, you're going to win games that make you uh, deified. And you're going to lose games that will vilify you into eternity. And it happens that Barry Switzer, uh, hey, call Nick Saban and ask him if he wants to kick that long field goal at Auburn again. <laughs> just, just give him a quick call and say, hey, Nick, you're the, you're the all-time absolute genius that's ever walked the planet. What are we doing kicking a 63-yard field goal at Auburn that they return for a touchdown? Most improbable giveaway in the history of football. Yeah. That's Nick Saban. Yeah. So where does that leave everybody else? It right. leaves you eligible. I'll tell you what my daddy told me one time. I came home from a high school football game. I'm the little high school quarterback, right? I walked. We got beat. I walked in. He'd always kind of debrief me after the game. I walked in, and I was griping and moaning and singing the blues. And he said, let me tell you something, son. You step between those white lines, you're eligible for an ass-kicking. <laughs> And that includes, how about Belichick? You know, he lost a game two years ago down at Miami. He put Gronk, the big tight end. Yeah. He put him at free safety on the last play of the game to possibly knock down a field goal. Okay? <laughs> and in the meantime, they didn't kick the field goal, and the little quarterback went running through, ran through the whole team, and Gronk ended up trying to make an open field tackle on a running back or a quarterback, I can't remember the exact, you know, situation. Yeah. But there was Bel Belichick had outthought himself. He wanted a six foot eight somebody back there at the back possibly knock down a long field goal. Ended up having to play free safety and cost him the game. Yeah. And again, that's one of the best coaches that's ever been on the planet. So the point is, you're eligible. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, while we got you here for a few minutes. I know you'll get into all these things in detail on your show when you start later this month. We're excited about that. But uh, let's talk about some issues. Of course, the white-hot topic, topic right now, college football realignment again, conference realignment. It looks like the Pac-12 is crumbling. And um, they're, they're, we've got, uh, got teams moving to the Big Ten. There's all these rumors that sooner or later the ACC is going to crack up. Florida State is uh, demanding more money from the ACC, or they're going to leave. Problem is, who wants them, and uh, how do they get out of that um, that huge paycheck they got to write on the the, um, the the rights issues and all that? So, 
Talk talk with, about what you're seeing right now in conference realignment, because, boy, it looks like it's getting ready to be another house of cards. Well, it is, and, uh, you know, particularly, once again, for East Carolina, they're right on the edge, it looks like. And uh, I always refer, and, Henry, you'll really appreciate this, and anybody that's been an East Carolina fan back into the 70s and certainly the 80s and into the 90s, I always compare East Carolina's journey to that of Virginia Tech. When I came to East Carolina in 1988, Virginia Tech and East Carolina were identical twins. Good football, good football culture. Football was important. And we would go have wars each year, and, you know, here we go. Well, all of a sudden, right on the cusp of the uh, organization of the old Big East Conference, Virginia Tech got into that, and East Carolina was left on the doorstep. I remember the night before that happened, Dave Hart told me we were going to be in the Big East. And the next morning, we were not. Look what happened to Virginia Tech's journey moving from there and East Carolina's journey moving from that day. And that was like in 1992 or three, something like that. And I talked to Frank Beamer many times personally. And he said, Steve, the moment we got in that conference, the doors and the living rooms that he was able to open in recruiting changed dramatically. And, of course, they did. I mean, the man took them almost to a national championship. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, East Carolina, be, you know, just stayed on the journey it was on, which is what I call guerrilla warfare. And, uh, you know, th- those kinds of things are happening again. And it gets back to... It gets back to leadership. Somebody's got to pull a Leo Jenkins or something. You know, everybody refers to Leo and what he did for East Carolina with the medical school, and I think he probably had pictures of people with a billy goat or something to get that medical school there. (laughs) Well, if that's the case and that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Somebody needs to get some pictures of somebody and, and force the powers that be to put East Carolina in a better position. It may happen one of these days. You never know, and I hope it does. Well, you know, this uh, it, there's, there's going to be another opportunity coming up. And then the question, of course, is what ha- What do you see all these Pac-12 teams going? Where are they, where, they going to go? I don't know. But, I mean, can you imagine sitting here talking as we are right now, Stanford, Stanford University, one of the best athletic programs on the planet. And I'm talking – well-rounded. Yeah. You look at Stanford, they win that, whatever they call that, Governor's Cup or whatever that thing. They win that thing routinely, which tells you who's winning the most conference championships in all of their sports. And Stanford right now is basically an independent. Yeah. They don't, you know, the, I mean, the Pac-12 is nothing right now. I think there's, what, four teams left? Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't know where all that's going. I, I mean, it's just such a money grab. And people have heard me rant and rave about, you know, the damage that the DCS invention caused to East Carolina and to half of college football in 1998. And this is another manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. It's the big getting bigger and the small getting smaller. And the level, you know, there's a leveling that took place that I never have bought into. I don't think it's healthy. Uh, you know, I loved it. I, I, you know, you mentioned uh, early in the show, you mentioned the 1991 Peach Bowl. And, of course, this is ancient history to a lot of people, but it's relevant to people our age. But my 
youngest son came down here to the beach one night, and he's wandering around on YouTube, and he clicked on the uh, the Miami East Carolina game of 1996. That's the one we won the the Orange Bowl. Went down to the Orange Bowl. We beat them 31 to six. And here's what I'm, you know, that is what it is. I've never watched any of those films because I have a nervous breakdown watching them. So, but he turned it on, and I'm watching that thing. But here was the thing that just jumped off the screen to me in 1996. That football team that we led onto the field against Miami that had to count them four first-round draft picks, okay, we marched out of the tunnel, and we looked as good as Miami did. Our football team physically looked exactly like Miami's. It's right there on the on the film. Yeah. I mean I had I had defensive tackles that were six five, two ninety. Okay? I had outside linebackers that could run a thousand miles an hour and when they caught you they would kill you. <laughs> okay? And that night we caught two of their quarterbacks and killed them. I remember. Okay? I mean I'm just telling you but that's not the way it is anymore. The leveling is just so dramatic from the Power Five to the not-Power Five. Yeah. Now, the not-Power Fives can still win the occasional game, but I'm just telling you what was a kind of an unlevel playing field now is just really, really not not right. healthy for the sport, in my opinion. Let me bring you uh, bring you to the Pirates here for a second. I'm, I hear you talk about Holton Ayler's chances first, because you have spent your – Life, your professional life, evaluating quarterbacks for yourself and for others. I know you uh, remember years ago when you were evaluating quarterbacks for people like Bill Belichick. Uh, when you were, you know, doing some analysis work for the NFL before you got into coaching the NFL, uh, and I just went to Holton's uh, going away party before he left the weekend before he went to Seattle. All right, uh, let us and, you know, uh, go ahead and get out of this park if we can uh, because pretty... we've got. Uh, uh, we, we're going to be running up against a break here, but uh, more of that with uh, Steve Logan. Uh, available on the IBX Media app, you can uh, check out the podcast for Talk of the Town uh, by going to the uh, IBX Media app and downloading that at Apple Play uh, or uh, the uh, Google Store, so or Google Play or the Apple Store. That's what it is. All right, uh, we are uh, going to grab our final break. We'll come back and uh, get you set up for uh, the show tomorrow, which will be a very good one after these words on the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Thanks to Brett McMurphy for uh, being on with us. Appreciate that very much. Good to talk to Brett. Also, thanks to Talk of the Town for the uh, Steve Logan audio from earlier today. Uh, lost in all of this, in the Hubba Baloo, is that uh, we will have the show. This one's still on Fridays. It'll just be on 6 o'clock that day for the football season, leading you into Rose football. So uh, that is going on. And we're going to be doing the show at 10 in the mornings during the football season, including uh, this Friday as well, on uh, Facebook and all the social medias. So thanks to Clark uh, Willis. And Jim Zoki joins us tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. Have a great evening, everybody.